With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. One for podcasting. The PSAs you hear on Miller and Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller and Condon. After the hour of 11, Trent Condon, Ken Miller with you as we take you up until noon, about 20 minutes or thereabouts. Our friend Brian Walton uh, from thecardinalnation.com will join us. We'll talk opening day in the Cardinals, but focus a lot on the first week of the National League Central, the Cincinnati Reds, out to a 6-1 and one start. Uh, we'll talk to Brian Walton in about 20 minutes. Well, uh, let's get our friend David Eichold in here. He covers Iowa at HawkeyeInsider.com. I read the Luca Garza uh, piece that he penned to the fan base, and I thought, wow, I haven't seen this anywhere else. I wonder if David Eichold got an exclusive from this, and I think he did, uh, which is a real feather in the Hawkeye Insider part of 24-7's. Uh, cap and David joins us. David Trenton, Ken, uh, way to go on the Luca Garza piece. I'm guessing a lot of folks have found that hadn't found your site. I don't know what was keeping them, but uh, certainly clicked on it. I know I did. I read it. Uh, it was a very well written letter, to no one's surprise, from Garza. Heartfelt. Uh, how did it come about that uh, seemingly uh, you built a relationship with Luca and he was willing to give you that exclusive? Yeah, I guess so. First of all, thanks for having me back. But, you know, I think going back to last summer, uh, throughout the whole buildup of Luca's decision to go to uh, the NBA or not, I did a deep dive into his journey starting from high school, and I did a feature on each of his years at Iowa, and that concluded with a fifth and final piece, which was a letter from Luca to Iowa fans when he announced he was coming back and why he was coming back. So ever since then, I, I formed a good relationship with Frank, and obviously I got to know Luca a little bit just from covering him throughout the last couple of seasons. And then once Luca found out he was going to be the consensus, you know, national player of the year, he reached out to me and said that this is something he's wanted to do. And it was very, very important for him to do. I think uh, Mo Wagner did it for Michigan mm-hmm. a couple of years ago, and he really loved that idea. And like you said, unsurprisingly, very heartfelt, put a lot of time and thought into it, I thought. And uh, yeah, no, it was just uh, it was a cool, I think, final piece. And of course, with the uh, traditional... 55 out, kind of after uh, Mamba out from uh, Kobe Bryant, but I thought that was a nice finishing touch to it as well. A lot of cool things in there. Uh, Shout out to Gas Station Pizza. (laughs) Not much more (laughs) Iowan than that. He certainly is an Iowan, but I I think the thing that, that put the biggest smile on my face, because it just feels like the Luca Garza that we got to know over these four years, after that disappointing freshman year for him, when they go 14 and 19, they didn't go have sun and fun on spring break. They went to work, and I even going back to after your freshman season, I think it shows what kind of leader he was at that point, and for all intents and purposes then, an NCAA tournament team the next three years. Yeah, I think that's an excellent point, too. And, you know, after talking to Frank and Luca, you know, obviously he had a he exploded his junior season with that dominating performance that he just had all season long. Frank and Luca both felt he could have taken that huge step forward into his sophomore season as well, but 
Obviously, that's when the nine-and-a-half-pound fist came into effect. He sprained his ankle in December, had to miss a few games. So that kind of slowed his progression down. And I think you could say if Luka stays healthy all four seasons and doesn't have that adversity, who knows what his scoring numbers would be. He'd probably reach that 1,000 career rebound threshold. I believe he's 84 short or so. But uh, you got to think about that as well. But, yeah, like you said, it, it, you could almost see it coming. And just with the uh, kind of forget spring break uh, attitude, and I think we kind of saw that unfold display, and I think that just goes back to the game. Remember against Tennessee a couple of seasons ago, I think you saw that group really come together when they were down 25 and the way that they kind of led themselves back into that game, nearly pulling off, I think, one of the greatest comebacks in NCAA tournament history. Uh, David Eicholt is our guest. Well, now that he's been rightly recognized throughout college basketball as the player of the year, what, what's next for him? How will he prepare uh, for any combine opportunities? Uh, what, what's next for him, David, bef- prior to obviously, um, you know, hopefully hearing his name, and I believe he will, uh, in the NBA draft? Yeah, you know, I think just like you said, gearing up for the combine, deciding what or what they will not participate in. I think they'll have to make some decisions about that, meeting with agents, and just sort of getting everything ready to go. And if obviously I feel like I need to say this again because people keep joking about, especially with the sale of the NFT card, guys, Luca Garza is not coming back for a fifth season. Sorry right. for that breaking news yeah. there. But uh, like you said, I think it's just getting ready for the combine, and I would be absolutely blown away if Luca was not selected in the 2021 NBA draft. You don't get six foot eleven guys who can shoot 44% from three-point range, be an offensive-minded guy, and I think he improved as a passer, and on top of that, he's not going to be getting double and triple teams in the right. NBA, so yeah. I think that's going to be a very rare deal for him to, oh my gosh, I only have one guy on me. I feel like I can actually use my full arsenal of moves, so it will be interesting to see how he kind of prepares and what he does do for the NBA Combine. I assume he's going to get an invite. He did receive one last year, even though it was a virtual Combine invite. Uh, but like you said, I would expect a mid-second a mid, mid second round pick for Luka Garza, but maybe a team really likes him. Maybe he goes very late first, maybe in that early portion of the second round as well. David, to the replacement for Luka Garza, felt like Jack Nungy was going to be that guy. He decides to transfer closer to home. A lot of talk about some uh, grad transfers, some transfers in general. What can you tell us the two biggest names going on right now? Of course, Liam Robbins, who started his career at Drake, an Iowa kid. And up north from North Dakota, Philippe Rabraca, a uh, guy from across the pond. What can you tell us? And any other big names that you're hearing out there? Yeah, I think you named the the top two on the board, I think, right now. I think Iowa's going very hard after Liam Robbins. I've been told that Luca did reach out to Liam as well, mm-hmm. and obviously you guys can see on mm-hmm. Twitter a lot of the Iowa players are kind of recruiting him uh, via social media, whether it be Instagram or Twitter. But I think Liam Robbins would fit Iowa's system tremendously. I think with his rim-protecting ability, then you think about Keegan Murray, you think about Tony Perkins, you think about the C.J. Frederick, these guys that they'll have next year. It could be uh, Fran McCaffrey's best defensive team in the Fran McCaffrey era, at least at Iowa. And like you said, I, I think Robbins, the way he kind of can play inside out, he'd be a guy, just a guy, I think, alongside C.J. Frederick and Keegan Murray. And as far as Philippe Rabraca, I know people like to kind of scoff at these mid-major schools or lower schools, but, I mean, the, the kid can play. He's 17 points, 8.5 rebounds last year, a big body for a kind of a mediocre North Dakota team, but... Again, this is a guy who I think would fit Iowa's system very, very well. I think the top two for him right now are Minnesota and Iowa. I think he wants to stay close to home. I believe he has a girlfriend in the North Dakota area, so that's going to play a factor as well. As far as Liam Robbins, a team that maybe some people haven't talked about, 
I'd keep an eye on Vanderbilt. There's still that mm. open assistant spot at Vanderbilt. And Ed Conroy, Liam's uncle, will not return to the Minnesota Golden Gopher staff. So if Vanderbilt picks up uh, Ed Conroy, you know, I think there's a very decent chance that Liam does follow Van, uh, does follow his uncle to Vanderbilt. With that being said, I would not count Iowa out of either race at this point. So where's Rebracca originally from? Serbia? I believe he's from Serbia. Yeah, yeah Serbia. Serbia. Gotcha. So Serbia, the Grand Forks. Oof. Um, Much of a change? <laughs> weather-wise, no, I don't think so. I, I really don't. Well, that's, uh, that's certainly interesting. Uh, David Eicholt uh, is joining us. What are you hearing about Joe Wieskamp? Obviously, he's going to go through the steps, I would assume. Now, I see a lot of mock drafts, and the, the most recent one I saw from ESPN, not that they're the be-all, end-all, but you get an idea what's, uh, what they're thinking. Wieskamp's not listed in it, David. What are you hearing uh, about Joe as far as the process that he will go through? When will he ultimately make his decision, do you expect? Yeah, that's a bit surprising that ESPN doesn't didn't list Joe Wieskamp. I mean, I, I think that it, within the next two weeks, he'll probably at least declare at this point, from everything I'm hearing, he's not going to return to Iowa. He has played his final game. Again, that's nothing official. That's just from what I'm hearing. And it's kind of one of those things where I really don't know why he would need to return. I think he displayed a lot this season. He shot, you know, 47% from three-point range. There was a 12-game span in the Big Ten season where he shot nearly 60% from three. Obviously, I think he could come back and get a little bit stronger, maybe develop his dribble drive game a little bit more, even though he took a big step forward in that this season, and I know a lot of people will say, well, that's why you come back to school. Well, he can also be getting paid and doing the same things if an organization uh, mm. likes him. So I think that's kind of where he's going to go right now. Um, I, I, I don't expect him to hire an agent right away. I think he will go through the process, but I do believe ultimately that he has played his last game uh, in an Iowa uniform. And I, I would, at this point, I would be surprised if he, if he decided to come back for his senior season. Again, with his play style and how he translates to the NBA, I really just don't know how much more he really has to prove. Mm-hmm. Talk with David Eichold, HawkeyeInsider.com. It's part of the 24-7 Sports Network. David, uh, let's go from basketball into some football. As you heard uh, earlier this week from Phil Parker, the longtime defensive coordinator and defensive backs coach for the Hawkeyes, and a lot of talk about the transfer, Xavier Williams, who comes into mm-hmm. an absolutely loaded defensive backfield from Dane Belton to Matt Hankins, Riley Moss, Merriweather, Kerner, Kerner. Uh, just yeah. there is depth. There are dudes all over the place. Where does he fit in in your mind? And what did Parker have to say, not just about Williams, but that backfield as a whole? Yeah, I think right now I need to see how the spring practice goes on oh, April man. 17th. I think Xavier Williams, uh, just with his play style and his athleticism, he will find a way to see the field. But like you mentioned, Iowa returned everybody in the secondary, and they've led the nation in interceptions over the course of the last three seasons. So, I think expectations are sky high. I thought when Matt Hankins announced his return for his fifth season that Iowa would not offer Xavier Williams, but they did. And I think that Iowa's secondary depth, it's going to be pretty loaded. And I I would say this. I wouldn't count out Terry Roberts as far as a guy to keep in mind. Jamari Harris. And Terry Roberts was tremendous on special Special teams this past season. And I think that, you know, he he has a skill set that can really make a difference. So, I think he has to come in. He has to learn the system a little bit more, get used to the way Phil Parker runs things as far as terms and all of that. But I think that the expectation for Iowa secondary, it's probably as high as a group as I can remember in the past several seasons. I mean, you get all these guys back. They're all, they've all started games. I think Kevon Merriweather is going to take a big step forward as well. I like the way he sort of developed. He stayed healthy last year, and I think that, uh, you know, he's a guy who when he arrived to Iowa, he 
was still learning football. He only played two seasons of varsity football. He was recruited a lot as a basketball player before Iowa came in with that late offer. So I think the secondary is going to have to kind of lead the way for the defense this year. Obviously, Jack Campbell, and they'll have guys in the, in the linebacking core. But it's for a third year in a row, Iowa's losing three defensive st- uh, right. starters up front. So I think the secondary is going to have to carry the torch. And I think that with the group they have, I, I expect them to be Probably one of the best in the country. Yeah, they'll have to uh, cover probably another couple of seconds because that pressure on the quarterback may not be there. That's an excellent point. You also had a chance to listen into uh, to O'Keefe and um, what did you learn? What did uh, what did what, what if anything was your biggest takeaway uh, with uh, with O'Keefe when he was talking about his offense? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is too is just Spencer Petras getting a, a spring practice for once, and I think that as a group just. As far as the whole team, keep in mind, Dane Bell and Tyler Goodson, these guys have started for the past two seasons, they have not had a spring practice yet in their Iowa career. So this is a very important developmental time for them. What I really like, though, hearing from O'Keefe and hearing Spencer Petras talk is who Spencer studied over the offseason, the kind of logistics and kind of the technical stuff he got into. Spencer and Ken said that uh, Spencer spent a lot of time studying Alabama quarterback Mac Jones. He said Tom Brady. And not just for the way they kind of move around the pocket, but how quickly they get rid of the football. I think Spencer said he wants to get rid of the football in two and a half seconds this year because that's kind of the way that can get his receivers in space and allow them to make plays, and he doesn't really overanalyze the field. And I think that the way he's getting through his progression faster, according to uh, Ken O'Keefe, and I think the timing is going to be the biggest interesting factor for me because we're going to see a bunch of guys step up. I think Charlie Jones will get more playing time, Tyrone Tracy. And I'll say this. Keep an eye on Keegan Johnson and Arlen Bruce, two, two true freshman wide receivers who have kind of generated some uh, interest and some uh, just some good quotes from the Iowa defensive backs. So I think if Spencer can continue to improve his timing and he can get rid of the football, I think most importantly stay calm in the pocket and really learn his fundamentals and continuing to develop them, I think that's going to go a long way. I think with the way that Spencer had to virtually train himself last season, he almost trained himself wrong. So that's why this is an important mm. step for Ken O'Keefe to get some one-on-one time as far as development goes uh, with Spencer. And so I'm very interested to see what I can see on April 17th and May 1st when they open it up to the public. Speaking of uh, the, the training side of things, how about Braithwaite? You also heard from him, Raymond Braithwaite, the guy that took over the role inside that building, inside the weight room, and then its importance, of course, the University of Iowa. Your takeaway, and, and was that the first media, media availability that we've had with Braithwaite? I believe that's the second, but it's the first media availability we've had since he officially became the new strength conditioning gotcha. coach. Remember, there was an interim tag on him last oh, year no. uh, for the most part. Uh, you know, I, I think he, he was very well-spoken. I think the players really like him. I like the way he kind of uh, uh, kind of articulated his process about training a lot of these guys. And I think one of the more, most important takeaways from listening to him talk was he said, you know, if something isn't really going right or a player doesn't look prepared, he doesn't opt to anger and start yelling at them. What he does is he goes up to them and he says, hey, are you okay? Is there something wrong with your academics? Is something going on in your family? Is there a personal issue with you? And then he just said, we, we talked about it, and I want to know that we can be there for those guys and we care about them more uh, than just simply football players. And I think another big change, too, obviously going back to the Hush Blackwell investigation, was I believe they said there was a lot of over-monitoring so what, one of the things that Braithwaite has done is they've eliminated sleep monitoring as a requirement. Um, but they do encourage the freshmen to be able to learn it and do it just so they can learn their sleep pattern. And if a player says, hey, coach, I haven't been sleeping well lately, uh, they request a monitor, then obviously the team will uh, monitor them. But they don't really 
uh, they're not mandated anymore. And I think that that's a big step. And I think the players have really kind of enjoy not, you know, not, uh, not being monitored every step of the way. So like I said, I think Braithwaite really spoke very well. And, uh, from everything I've heard from the players, the coaching staff, he's really transitioned into that role very well. David Eichel, 24-7 Sports, uh, HawkeyeInsider.com. Congratulations on the exclusive with Garza, uh, the letter that he penned to the fan base. If you haven't read it yet, uh, both Trent and I highly encourage you to do so. It's very well done. Uh, 55 out. Uh, HawkeyeInsider.com. Good stuff, David. Thanks for doing this for us. Hey, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Take care. Good to talk to you, David Eichel. Uh, joining us, we talk a little Hawks. Good, uh, not scoop, but a good mm-hmm. exclusive on his part and bring some uh, eyeballs to, to, to that website. Uh, the Petra stuff with Mac Jones, I mean, he wants to get rid of the ball faster. Yes. You know, that, that's been one he of his priorities. To. Absolutely does. I mean, how many times did, the most egregious was the 360 for no reason yeah. against Nebraska, yeah. followed by just a hideous interception. Right. There's no pressure. Speak. We're talking Tuesday about seeing ghosts. Yeah, right. And going back to Sam Darnold, that was a seeing ghost play. There was something that wasn't actually there that he felt he does a 360 and then the throw on top. Mm. If you think something, tuck and run. Get the pace going. Get quicker out there. And, And he brings up a really good point David does there, too. How many of these young guys have never had a spring practice? Iowa is a developmental program. Mm hmm. You miss that kind of de- development? It's Ferentz's favorite part of the season. Yeah. The entire year. This is his favorite month. It's pure uh-huh. football. Right. What Fo- he loves. Football nirvana. Yep. Well, they're getting that opportunity, and you Hawkeye fans will get two opportunities to see the team. Uh, the 17th and then May the 1st. Um, and is You know, I saw the Times the other day. I'm sure Hawkeye Sports has it. Yeah. I think it's in the morning. Is that what it is? I, yeah, I don't is. remember even off the 11 to 1, 10 to noon, something like yeah. that. Uh, anyways, Hawkeye Insider, or Hawkeye Insider, HawkeyeSports.com. You can find all the 411, all the details there. Brian Walton will help us with the National League Central. It is Cardinals opening day at Bush. Uh, pretty good series, too. Brew Crew and the Redbirds, they will go at it. Terrific pitching matchup. Uh, we'll talk to Brian Walton. We'll do more in the Cardinals. We'll do the division a week into it on 1460 KXNO and 106. A business name is important, sure. For one, it's how we connect with you, find you, and do business with you. But what's behind the name matters more. Roshan Corporation of Iowa is now Graphite Construction Group. We're building offices, retail centers, tenant improvements, schools, and more. But the most important thing we build our relationship with you. Let's get started on your construction project. Visit us at graphitegrp.com. Trek Hyden here to let you know my good friends at Renner's Warehouse are in heavy demand right now in Des Moines for three reasons. One, the rental market is booming. People rent during uncertain times and homes are getting leased fast. Two, with professional video marketing and self-showing technology, Renner's Warehouse meets all healthy and safety guidelines for our social distancing world. And three, with regulations changing so quickly, more people are learning that using an experienced property manager is far less stressful than trying to do everything yourself. Now is not the time to DIY or mess with inexperienced property managers. For a low, flat monthly fee, Renner's Warehouse will take the grunt work off your plate with no upfront fees and no paperwork or 3 a.m. maintenance calls. Plus, they can help you turn your part-time rental into a full-time cash flow machine. And if you're a real estate agent, 
They're offering cash payments for referrals. Go to renterswarehouse.com to book your free home rental price analysis today or call 515-528-4429. That's 515-528-4429. Renters Warehouse, Des Moines. You'll always... Nitsa. Condon, welcome back. 1460 KXNO 106.3 on the FM dial about 1130. It's opening day at Bush as the Redbirds return home. They began the year in Cincinnati. Cincinnati took two of three. But then off they go to Miami and the fish no match for the Redbirds as uh, St. Louis was able to sweep them as they head home to face the Milwaukee Brewers. Brian Walton covers the Cardinals for the CardinalNation.com. We'll talk about the Redbirds for the first week and also get his take on what we've seen in the central division of the National League. The Cincinnati Reds, the story so far. But Brian, it's opening day at Bush. Good to speak with you, Brian Walton. How are you? It's a pleasure to be on, and it's a pleasure to see baseball played in front of the home fans. It's been a long time. You know, isn't it, isn't it a treat? I mean, I like said yesterday, and I hope I never see a cardboard cutout for the rest of my life, right? I, I yeah. get why they did them, but, uh, and no piped in sound. It's just, it's great to see, you know, fans arguing at calls or, um, you know, booing players in some instances, whether it's the home team or the, or the visiting team. It's so great that we're getting something uh, back to normal. So how many folks will be at Bush, Brian? Do you know the uh, the cap that they're going to put on it, at least to begin the season? It's, uh, you know, pods of four to six people, six feet apart. It's in the 15,000 range, uh, 28 to 30% kind of thing. And they're hoping by midseason that, you know, if the cases go down and the hospitalizations go down, that the local officials will allow them to, you know, push toward full capacity. That's the goal of everyone, of course. And it's just, you know, a matter of how fast the local municipalities or the states will allow that. Uh, Brian, uh, through the first week, your biggest, your single biggest, either positive or negative, uh, with the Cardinals, your one takeaway more than others is what? Well, I think when we saw them down in Miami, we saw a little more of what the real Cardinals are, and that is a team that's going to rely on their pitching. Uh, they got enough offense to win in Miami, but they got the pitching that they didn't get in Cincinnati. So that's the positive. The biggest question mark remains the young hitters. We know Arenado and Goldschmidt are going to hit. They have hit. They will hit. Uh, we've seen a little bit now out of Dylan Carlson, who hit a big uh, grand slam yesterday. But the offense in center and left field especially have not been what they expected. And they're a team that needs to score more runs than they did last year to have a chance to get beyond the first round of the playoffs. So you got to see that Reds team up close and personal best run differential in all of baseball. A mirage, a good week, or is there staying power in your mind with this Cincinnati ball club? I still question whether they have enough pitching depth. You know, they, they unloaded a lot of talent uh, from their pitching, both in the bullpen and starting. And, and granted, they're off, they're off to a 5-1 start. They're in first place, but they're only a game ahead of the Cardinals. And, you know, I, I, still, I still question that. Cer- certainly the Reds have a good offense, always have. You know, probably always will continue to have a good offense. But I still don't think they're the elite of the Central. I still think until proven otherwise, it's going to be the Cardinals and Cubs uh, on top, and the Reds are going to be, you know, in that next tier down. I'd throw the Brewers and into Brewers. the mix, but that's just me. So what have you seen from the big... Oh, yeah, absolutely. You're right, Ken. Absolutely. And I didn't mean to discount the Brewers, who are certainly 
uh, you know, a, a talented team. We've seen, seen good starting pitching from them. Uh, the offense, you know, doesn't necessarily have the same powers before, but, you know, they've, they've got Yelich. they got guys that can hit. <laughs> Indeed they do. Yelich got it going a little bit yesterday. So, um, the, obviously, the biggest offseason acquisition for the Cardinals was Arnato, who comes over for essentially nothing, uh, which is still a ma- major head-scratcher. But uh, So his first week as a Cardinal, uh, how would you uh, how would you say it's gone? Very positive, very positive. You know, he's settled into the third spot, you know, getting used to his new teammates. Defensively, what's he got, like eight gold gloves? Yeah. You know, that that's an underrated part of his game. Uh, and I think it's appropriate for the first pitch today they have Scott Rowland throwing the pitch ah. to Nolan Arenado because I think, you know, Nolan Arenado will be the guy who will make Cardinal fans, you know, uh, not forget Scott Rowland, but right. certainly, you know, he'll be on that pedestal in terms of his impact on the team before he's done. Little uh, media questions, a couple of them for you. First, Mike Shannon, his 50th and final season in the radio booth for the Cardinals, and he'll be up there wearing his red jacket today. Mm-hmm. And then secondly, it's now Bally Sports Midwest. I'm a Twins fan. I'm seeing it with Bally Sports North. Your thoughts here a week in on the, the new look for the baseball broadcast on TV. Well, I think the biggest thing we see so far is just their box, you know, down at the bottom, which is a long rectangle across the bottom of the screen. For me, it's a little bit hard to read. It seems a little small, but, Mm -hmm. you know, of course, the right side of that line is where they provide updates on games, but that's where the betting information is going to come at some point in time. We don't know when, but the reason that Bally paid this, you know, the money to to uh, Sinclair to get that sponsorship is so that they can pursue their their gambling interests. And it's just a, a state of where the game is going. You and me are just old, Brian. That's why we're having trouble seeing that score bug. <laughs> uh, Brian Walton. He'll be his charge. He'll be his charge. <laughs> I'm with you. Brian Walton is our guest. Uh, Matt Carpenter's not seeing things very well either. In his case, baseballs. He's, he, struggled, uh, he struggled in the spring, and that's carried over to him. Obviously, his role has diminished, uh, but you'd like to have seen more. Again, uh, he's only had a handful of at-bats, uh, but still, it'd be nice for him to get on base. Yeah, Matt Carpenter is really pushed into a reserve role by the fact that there's no designated hitter in the National League this year. When they signed Aaron Arnado, they, you know, that took away his spot at third. Uh, Tommy Edmund took over second base when Wong moved to Milwaukee. So really he's a pinch hitter, left-handed pinch hitter off the bench. He had a terrible spring. Uh, not only did he not hit well, well, when he, you know, he, he didn't even necessarily draw his walks. It just struck out an awful lot. You know, Matt Carpenter's 35. It's his last year in St. Louis. But he's a guy that, you know, if they have an injury pretty much anywhere on the infield, whether it's first, second, third, you know, he'll be a guy that'll slot in. And you got to have those guys on your bench. You just have to, you know, kind of look the other way and forget about the 18 and a quarter million he's making this year. Oof. Dylan Carlson's off to a great start. Is it this is what it's going to be or is it just a hot start? What do you see is, is superstardom already there for Carlson? I think superstardom is a little bit of a push, Trent. You know, some people have created this expectation that somehow you know he's going to be the next Mike Trout, yes. you know, Mickey Mickey Mantle, and I I think that's asking too much. But on the other hand, you look at the guy and you say, hey, he's you know versatile. He can play all three outfield positions. He's a switch hitter. He's hit power from both sides. He's already you know his two home runs, one from the left and one from the right. That's a difficult set of skills to replicate somewhere else. So he's a unique guy, and I think, like I said. They need somebody besides the big two of Goldschmidt and Arenado to step up. They've got Paul DeYoung hitting cleanup right now. Had one good game in Cincinnati, hit two home runs, and hasn't really done much in, in the other games. And if Dylan Carlson can continue to grow, you know he's going to move back up in that lineup. We saw him hitting cleanup in the postseason last year, primarily because they didn't really have anybody else to put there. 
Uh, Brian Walton, the Cardinal Nation, is our guest. Well, Brian, let's go a little bit in, more in depth in the division so far. Uh, the Cubs three and three. The Brewers uh, three and three at this point. Uh, Cubs they got a well pitched game yesterday from Hendricks. He did not pitch well uh, in the uh, in, in the home opener back uh, a week ago today. But when you see when you look at this Cub team, I've been I was impressed by starters two, three, and four. Arietta Davies and Williams coming over from the Pirates. But they can't hit a lick. They're really struggling to hit the baseball. Uh, you'd like to think that some of those guys in their walk years would uh, would start to heat up a little bit. I, I'm I'm th- I'm not so sure that the Cubs are going to be in the conversation in mid September like some people are, Brian. I I still think they are until they're proven they aren't. And I think that script of the early season, as you represented, is correct. But I'm not necessarily sure that's going to be the case over the long haul. I just think that the key players, Rizzo, Baez, Bryant, et cetera, are just too talented to continue to, to hit poorly. And I think, you know, they're going to, they're going to be right in the fight till the end. And, you know, I mentioned I sort of left the Brewers out before, but I didn't mean to because, of course, you know, they're a very formidable opponent as well. I, I do think, like a lot of others, that these guys are going to beat up, these four teams are going to beat up on each other all season long, and there probably won't be a wild card out of the Central Division this year. There was a lot of chirping in that series against the Reds. Let's go to Cincinnati. We talked about them a little bit earlier. Nick Castellanos getting the two-game suspension. Your perspective, and it's a Cardinal perspective, was it warranted? I think it was, only because... If, if baseball wants to become the WWE, then fine. You can have guys stand over other guys and flex their muscles and, you know, roar. But that's not baseball. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the old days of baseball where the next time up the guy gets hit in the back, yeah. you know, that those days are over, right, the retaliation days. And so what had to happen, baseball had to step in and, you know, and issue a suspension. And some of the Cardinal guys got fined. But, you know, it's just it, he went beyond, you know, when he showed the ball, uh, you know, when he showed the ball back to the pitcher, and, you know, and then, then stood over him again. You know, there was just multiple incidences of inciting, mm-hmm. uh, you know, stuff that really didn't need to happen. Yeah, that's a 15-yard penalty in football all day long, that taunting that he did. I mean, I, you're right, Brian. You don't see that in baseball. I, I have no problem with the suspension. I know a lot of people got hot under the collar, uh, but, but, but I clearly think that that was warranted. Although I'll say this, in the postgame, uh, as, as bad as, not, not bad, maybe embarrassing to some people. I, he certainly made some fans with what he had to say about Yachty after the game that, uh, you know, no disrespect. And if I see him at some point, I'm going to ask him to autograph a jersey for me. So I think that he kind of maybe smoothed over some, some ruffled feathers with the comments after the game. Did you see it that way? Yeah, I did. I did. And again, you know, I think if maybe if Cassianos would, you know, could speak, you know, privately, he would say maybe I overreacted a tad. It wasn't like there was a history of the Cardinals hitting him or it was a particular spot in the game that was particularly meaningful. I mean, a young pitcher would get a rookie pitcher on the mound and the pitch got away from him. I mean, that stuff happens in baseball. And I get that it's the first series of the season and everybody wants to, you know, demonstrate their dominance. But I think he just, he crossed the line and, you know, he's going to get his penalty and hopefully they'll move on. I will say one of the posters on our, mess- my, our message board came up with a really good idea and I wanted to just run it by you guys. If suspensions occur, wouldn't it be good if the, the player had to serve his suspension the next time the two teams play, uh, yeah, well, rather than just against some random team? Because they can choose, right? They can appeal and yeah. then then uh, oh, fill in the blank. Worst team in the in the league comes in, they decide to serve. That's not bad. 
Uh, Brian, I was looking at the at the uh, Redbird schedule for the rest of April. They're going to see a lot of Washington. They're going to see a lot of the Phillies. Uh, they will see Cincinnati again. Philadelphia is off to a terrific start. Washington is just beginning their season. Uh, but this is a uh, this will be a pretty good barometer. Likewise, the Brewers they've got a very difficult schedule to start April. I think once we turn the calendar to May, we'll have a pretty good idea. Um, maybe how this how the divisions starting to sort each other out. Do you see it that way? I I'm I think we'll continue to learn more every week, but I don't think we're going to have a feeling by the by the end of this month how it's going to go. I think it's going to be a battle down to the end. I will say, you know, the Nationals, of course, had that period out where they couldn't play due to COVID. They've got a number of players on the IL, put a couple. I guess they have a couple injured pitchers, so the Nationals are going to be less than full strength. So it might be a nice time to get them. The Phillies are, you know, the perennial disappointment, right? You see, they they have all the the horsepower, but they can't ever seem to put it together. Right. You know, but the, you know, you look at their roster and you say, you know, they. They should be right up there. So these are going to be some tough games. Indeed, a hell of a pitching matchup today. Wainwright gets the home opener against uh, Corbin Burns, who was out of his mind on Saturday night. Him and Barrios going, well, they have 19 strikeouts between the two of them in five innings. I don't think I've ever seen that. 19 combined strikeouts by both pitchers in five innings. Just a remarkably well-pitched game. Brian Walton, thecardinalnation.com. Brian, we'll talk to you in the weeks ahead. Thank you, Brian. Enjoy the home opener. Take care, guys. Good to talk to you. Brian Walton, thecardinalnation.com, as we talk to the Redbirds and the little NL Central. So have you changed your mind uh, from what you've seen so far? The Brewers are 3-3. Three and three. I think we're fine there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm with both of you. I think the Reds will come back to the pack a little bit. But yeah. just the way they're pounding the baseball. Will the pitching hold up? Probably not. No. No. I still think the Cardinals are the team to beat. I, I, I have not mm-hmm. relented off that. No, I've it's the Cardinals nothing. and the Brewers. I think it's yeah. those two teams. You know, we saw, I never looked at this. Um, we know that the Twins and the White Sox see each other. They, have, they don't see each other in the month of September at all. Yes, you, you'd mentioned that, which was hugely disappointing. Um, so let me find the Cardinals uh, schedule in the second half. Cardinals and the Brewers. Please play in the month of September. And, oh, they play in September. Oh, they play a lot in September. They've got seven games in September against each other. Cardinals will host the Cubs to finish the regular season, but seven against the Brewers. Uh, Seven against the Brewers? Yeah, seven against, no, ten against the Brewers. Ten against the Brewers, yeah. Even more. So this is how the Cardinals finish up their last four series. At Milwaukee, at the Cubs, home for Milwaukee, home for the Cubs. That's awesome. That's good schedule making. That's the way it should be. No question. That's uh, putting on the uh, getting the crystal ball out and trying to uh-huh. decipher how this uh, division is going to finish up. We'll t- uh, tell you how our show is going to finish up. We'll talk a little bit of the Masters. Have you looked at the leaderboard at all? I've had it on here in the background, taking a peek from time to time. I saw DJ missed an awful, awful. Did he for uh, for part earlier? Saw that. A amateur that I have in one of my contests, he hit one into the sand as I was watching. Just my first look ever at the kid, plonk. Uh, there was a nice lot of Matsuyama one. love prior to the yeah. tournament, and he's leading the way through 10. And he's that was one I wasn't buying either, and I feel like I and have what him. what was he at? Do you remember what the, his odds were? It was, it was higher than normal. It was, I think, a couple places over maybe 45 to 1, wow. something like that. And I usually have a ticket on him in one form or fashion. Of course, this is a year that I don't. <laughs> yeah, and he's off to a blazing start. Uh, how about some of the guys? A lot of there was a lot of Lee Westwood love because the way he was playing, mm-hmm. he's he's seven over through four. Oh. Rory McIlroy is three over through seven. Um, 
I read that backwards. Lee Westwood's four over through seven. Roy McElroy's three over through seven, so they must be playing together. Who else off to a bad start in this thing? Those are about the only two big names. Uh, Jason Day, two over through ten. Uh, Danny Willett, who won it not... How many years ago did Willett win it? Five? Was oh, that... it's been longer than that, hasn't it? Seven? Was it 14? 16? I don't remember. But he had the sleep... Uh... Because he just had the kid, right? And he came that's in on the... That's what it was. It's kind of so, like John Rom. Right, people are trying to connect yes, the dots with Rom this week. Right. You're right, because his wife just gave birth uh-huh. Saturday, I think. Dustin Johnson, one over through seven uh, so far. Anyways, it's uh, 11.45. Trent and I will finish things up here on the other side. Of course, Murph and Andy in an hour and 15 minutes. The Fanatics at three. We're Miller and Condon. We'll be back after these on 1460. KX and 0 for complete details. Basketball teams are entering the final month of the regular season as they gear up for the playoffs. While some teams are locked to make the playoffs, others are still fighting for their opportunity to chase the trophy this summer. DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is putting you in the center of the action with a chance to turn $1 into $100 in free bets. Turning $1 into $100 is simple. Pick any basketball team to win their next game. And if, during that game, the team of your choosing hits a three, you bring home $100 in free bets. That's 100 to 1 odds on the team of your choosing just to hit a three, even if they don't win. This year's teams have been hitting threes at an unprecedented pace, so get in on all the action before this offer ends. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the code KXNO when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 in free bets if the basketball team of your choosing hits a three. That's code KXNO to turn $1 into $100 in free bets for a limited time. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Iowa only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? KXNO. If you want to work in a field with opportunities, Wolf Construction might be the place for you. Wolf Construction is looking for framing and trim carpenters of all skill levels. We are looking for people who will plan well, choose to be a positive influence, and choose to put teammates ahead of themselves. We offer competitive wages, health insurance, PTO and paid holidays, a matching 401k plan, and much more. If you're interested in learning more, go to wolfconstruction.net and click on the Now Hiring button. Be a part of a team. Slash plunge. Welcome back. Five uh, ten minutes before noon, as we take you for the next five minutes. You know, so just a quick baseball note: I was perusing the schedule for tonight, trying to plan my evenings. Mm-hmm. A lot of day games today. Of course, your Twins open at three. Barrios uh, will pitch. The Redbirds, likewise, they're at three fifteen. Cubs early, twelve thirty-five. My Blue Jays are playing tonight against the Angels. Oh, Otani pitched last Sunday, so he would go Friday. Mm-hmm. Not listed. Did I mean I? I saw the play at the plate. Right. They said everything is okay there, but but he's not scheduled to pitch. Hmm. As the Jays begin their home part of the season in Dunedin, Florida, which is a hitter's park. You know, I've been there I've once, read. but I was spring training, and I you know, yeah, I was. It's a really cool area. I heard it's a pretty big launching pad. As I was doing research for fantasy. So I bumped up the couple of J's a little bit higher on on my Uh list as I was preparing for that. 
Oh, baseball season. Oh, so he's going to he's going to pitch Sunday. Sunday. All so right. the week between starts for for Otani. Anyways, hopefully the last day of the free trial trial of extra innings, so I can flip over to that one. Yeah, it's uh, what it's like twenty two bucks a month. Is that what it like is? That for for six months, uh, something like I I enjoy it. Yeah, you know I enjoy it. it was, it's, I got enough with the Midwest. Yeah, you know, I was kind of that. That's how it was last year mm-hmm. because I knew that. You know, I want to watch Toronto, right? Yeah. You know, Toronto's not on a lot. Um, I enjoy it. Yeah, it's, it's it's if there's nothing else on, you know, I'll, I'll watch as I did like the Rockies and the Diamondbacks. <laughs> That's making one more dinner at home a month, yeah, as opposed point. to yeah. going and grab one that twenty two dollars yeah, a month that you're point. using. Fair point. Oh, what do you like tonight? Well, one quick thing, I ran across this. I, I thought you might found this interesting. So. College basketball, as we put it in the rearview mirror, some numbers for next season. I have odds, seen you mean? Odds, but this is analytics. As you know, I'm a big uh-huh. subscriber to Ken Pomeroy and his brother, Bart Torvik, who is another one of these analytics sites. His is free, by the way. BartTorvik.com is where you can find it. But uh, he has his 2022 numbers out. Drake in his analytics, uh-huh. 26th in the country. By the way, how about Yosefu to Kansas? Yes. You and I, number 67. Okay. Iowa State. Well, how can you do Iowa State? You know who's going to be on the team. 202. Yeah. That's a part of it. Iowa, minus Wieskamp. He took Wieskamp out. Yeah. 117. Mm. Now, here's the thing. You can also see if you add Wieskamp and Liam Robbins to the roster. What's the likelihood of Robbins in your mind? You're setting the odds. Three to one. And the betting favorite. Yeah. Oh, the favorites. So the, the, the betting favorite. The Vanderbilt uh, angle. Yes. With Ed Conroy. Uh, yes. His the, uncle. The, the David Eichel shared with us. Mm-hmm. The, the Vanderbilt's got an opening for an assistant coach. Conroy's looking for a they, gig. But Vanderbilt just got a five-star center this week. That's good news. That's good news. Right. A five-star. for Vanderbilt and Fry was chances. Yes. Even if Conroy would get that uh-huh. job at Vandy. Yeah. Trent, I like Leon Robbins. I do I mean, too. We watched him a ton this this year. We talked about him a lot, whether they were playing the Hawks or not. I think there's more upside, mm-hmm. even still, to his game. Would you take Would you take a package deal? Would you take Carr and Robbins if you're Fran McCaffrey? <laughs> <laughs> would you even have to think about that question? Knock down whatever oh, ball you got to do to get that's, those two guys. That's step back three that mm-hmm. Carr's got in his arsenal. Um, I'm anxious to see where some of these good players uh, end up. You know, I saw Dickie V. On Twitter, did you see him just ripping the whole transfer portal? This is going to ruin college basketball. These poor coaches. Dick, who I remind you are making millions of dollars. College basketball is going to be fine. Yes, it will. Just fine. The gloom and doom out there. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Let the kids have a little bit of freedom. You know, the ones, Dick, the unpaid amateurs. Well, that's different, right? Yeah, not a good look. It's not, not a good, it's look, not a good look. And a lot of people like Vitell. But this is one of these hills that he's he's decided he's going to die on this hill. Yes. I, I wish he wouldn't uh, because he's losing. I think he's um, nah, not respect. You can respect what he does, what the, the game he's brought to the game. But this is a bad look. I'm taking the brew crew tonight. Okay. Or this, uh, uh, this, uh, afternoon. this afternoon. Yeah, three, yeah. whatever, 315 Burns start. versus Wainwright, 315. That's, that's my favorite. Going to play around. Uh, playing a few more money line round robins to in baseball this year and getting back into those first fives that were so good last baseball playoff season for me uh masters what's the television coverage this afternoon what ESPN. time but when do they start two or three do you know yes okay <laughs> one yes, of those indeed it is uh that's going to do it for us
Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. We'll give away some Claxton's barbecue in about 24 hours from right now. Uh, Murph and Andy, in an hour and five minutes, the Fanatics at 3 Morning Rush kicks off a Friday of morning of local programming. We're Miller and Condon, 10 to New on 1460 and 106.3 FM.